Hallelujah. So this morning, I just want to share on something just concerning you are anointed. Tell the person next to you, say, you are anointed. So for all of those on live stream, you are anointed. So I just want to touch on something, and I want to just attack it from a different angle. I love the subject of the anointing. It's probably my favorite subject, uh, the anointing. But the anointing is primarily, if you look at its root in the Scriptures, because it goes all the way back to the book of Exodus with the priests, they were primarily anointed to consecrate them. In other words, that they were then anointed with the oil, and the Bible says, through Moses to the priest or to Aaron to the priest, he says you are to stay in the temple because the crown of the anointing oil is upon your head. In other words, you are anointed and are set apart for the singular purpose of being a priest. You are separated, sanctified, made saint-like. In other words, no one else can do what you're doing. It's very specific, that anointing. But then as the Old Testament evolves, we start to see Kings were anointed. Same thing, um, they were consecrated to the position uh, of kingliness. Prophets, consecrated. But then we start to see something happening through the development of Scripture, and especially when it came to the anointing of Saul and of David and even of Elisha. There was something in the anointing that transferred upon them, and it gave them something that they didn't have before. If they had natural talents, suddenly the natural talent received the breath of God, and they became supernatural talent or supernatural ability. In fact, so much so that even others without natural talent received an ability to do things far beyond themselves. And so it became almost that, you know, there was a divine, something divine, something of divinity came upon these very ordinary human beings that lifted them into a place of extraordinariness. So this is a good place for you to go, oh, wow, amen. Because remember, it's here, you are anointed. Is that okay? So everything I'm saying about the anointing now is relevant to who? To Exactly. And so there is something of divinity that comes upon you, something of an enablement that um, helps you to do things that you could never do before. So one of the things that we see is with King David, where when the Spirit of God came on him, I mean, he grabbed a lion by its beard, you know, by its mane, and he slew it while looking after his father's sheep. He grabbed a bear. And all of that was preparing him for that great big man, Goliath. And when uh, he intimidated an entire army, one man intimidated the entire army of Israel into oblivion, into timidity, into inactivity, he stood up in the anointing. A ruddy, red-headed young man stood up because he knew God's given me the bear, God's given me the lion, delivered it into my hand. What is this uncircumcised Philistine? And he took off his head after he sunk a stone in the forehead with his own sword, and which later became his sword. Listen, the anointing will enable you to do things that you cannot do. There's a divine ability that comes upon you for the purposes of the kingdom. Is that okay? And so we look at, through its development, we come right into the New Testament. We look at Jesus, him being the Son of God, being human and divine at the same time. Great mystery. But on the day that he was water baptized and the Spirit came upon him, 
there was a sense in which the divinity, the divine side was manifest, even though he didn't operate out of the divinity. There was something of divine nature that came upon him that helped him to minister. Not one miracle, not one sermon before then, but from the time the Spirit came upon him, number one, it was recognized by God, because God said, you're my son. And so he was uniquely set apart for the purpose of being the son of God who would pay our price because he was consecrated by the Spirit. So he was uniquely set apart for that. But not only that, the devil recognized it because that immediately the Spirit came upon him. The devil knew he has a problem. And so immediately Jesus was launched into miracle signs and wonders. And after his 40 days in the wilderness, the Bible says that he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen, and news and fame about him spread everywhere, so much so that people then started to bring the sick because they recognized, listen, the third group of people that will recognize the anointing on you is people. And let me say specifically, people in need will recognize that you have something that can help me. Is that okay? You've got something that I need. You've got something. Okay, that's a good place to say. I'm talking about <laughs> you. Is that okay? I'm preaching about you. I'm not telling you to get it. I'm saying this is who you are. And so you're anointed. So listen, a lot of times things go wrong in our lives and we go like, what's wrong with me? No, it's what's right with you. The disciples had no problems, no problems, until they healed a man at the gate beautiful. I mean, life was a ball until then. But the first miracle, Satan reared his ugly head in that same religious group that crucified Jesus. And why is everything going wrong? No, something's going right because you are anointed. So there's that side of things. When the Spirit comes upon you, you become more than natural. You become more than ordinary. You can do things that you couldn't do before. I mean, how many of you have heard Jared Cooper? How many of you have heard uh, Days of Wonder, his album? You know, he was a young man, and the Lord said to him, get up and go and sit down at the piano. I will enable you to play. He never ever went to a music lesson. And he just put his hands on the piano and started to play. That's how I want to get it. Don't always come like that, but, you know, for him it did. And that's why... If he puts his hands on the piano and starts to sing, the anointing falls. And it's not to say that those who have learned the piano and learn, it doesn't happen the same way. But it was like he was anointed for that. You know what I'm saying? It was something unique. And um, even though he feels like that's not his main ministry, teaching and leadership is. And so the point is, it's divine. It's powerful. Amen. So let me tell you another story like that because it encourages me. In the olden days, before I was born, there was a group in this country called Four Jacks and a Jewel. Remember them? Four Jacks and a Jewel. And um, I remember sitting at one of the Rhema conferences and hearing one of the Jacks sharing his testimony. And uh, because now they'd all got somebody Lynn. And um, I think it's her husband, but anyway, um, who was the one Jack. <laughs> and um, he was sharing the testimony. And I remember being at one of their concerts in Zims in the Bulawayo Town Hall. And I noticed him do exactly what he said he did. And he said 
He could play an instrument, but he had a terrible voice. Could never sing in tune. So he used to get up and intro the song and then fiddle with the microphone and pretend he was getting it all set. But meanwhile, he was switching it off so that nobody would notice. And then they would start singing. So he could play and he was the leader, but he could not sing. And so they became famous and all that kind of thing. But it was the other three jacks <laughs> that could sing and play. And, uh, but yes, he had the charisma to lead the group. And then, of course, it was Glynis Lynn um, singing and she had a beautiful voice. And it was after he got saved, he said there was two things. That he went to the front in this altar call and he said to the Lord, there's two things. The first thing is I have this phobia, this, this incredible fear of heights. And he said three feet off the ground and he would be paranoid, you know. And he said, and he said to the Lord, the second thing is I can't sing and I so desperately want to sing. And anyway, he went forward, and I think it must have been his faith, because if somebody came back to me and said, I want God to heal my voice so I can sing, I'd go, okay, Jesus, according to your faith. <laughs> but anyway, this pastor prayed for him, and he says he hit the floor. He was instantly delivered of his height phobia, fear of heights. And he said, and then something started to happen on his throat. He said it felt like, a butterfly was trapped inside its, his throat and flapping its wings because he just felt all this movement. And when he got up, he could sing in tune and sing well. There's hope for me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm taking all the prayer. Amen. And so it gives you an ability. Those are extreme cases, extreme stories, but testimonies, but it gives you an ability to function for God in the designated area where God has called you to operate. And that's why I felt this morning it would be so good to lay hands and anoint you with all with oil because, number one, I want to start with everybody in this church is doing something in this church, whether it's band or ushers or whatever. But the second thing is every single one of you is an intercessor. Every single one of you is a prophet. Every single one of you is a disciple. Is that okay? Every single one of you. Every single one of you. We're disciples before we anything else. So I want to just lay hands on you, anoint you with oil this morning. So the first thing that I want to look at, is that enough of a prelim? You understand a little bit about the anointing. Is that okay? It will make you someone you were not before. Because it says about Saul, it says about David, from that day on the Spirit came upon them in power. And it says when they turned, their hearts were changed into another man. Come on, we can't downplay the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You can't underestimate it. Amen. So the first thing that this anointing will do, the first thing is it will give you an ability in the kingdom. In other words, it will enable you. It will enable you. I want you to have a look with me in the book of Exodus. I want you to have a look at Exodus 31. This is an amazing, amazing testimony, um, amazing story. In Exodus 31, verse 1, we're reading in the King James translation, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name. Woo. And that sentence was there put for you and me. I have called by name. Now, do you think if he knows Bezalel's name, do you think he knows your name? Turn to the person next to you and say, He's called me by name. He knows me by name. 
He says, Bezalel, the son of Uri, he knows your dad's name. The son of Hur, he knows your grandfather's name. Of the tribe of Judah, he knows exactly what kind of clan you've come from. And he says, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. In other words, what God was saying to Aaron through Moses about Bezalel and later his sidekick, Ohliab, he was saying, I've given him something that he didn't have before. And he might have had it to a degree, but it was now elevated to artisan level. He might have been DIY, but now he was an artisan. All manner of workmanship. To devise cunning works. That tells me he didn't have it before. To work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones, to set them and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And behold, I have given with him Elihab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. And so God is, let me just try and make it simple and practical to ACF. God has given me a vision. Is that okay? Yeah. And so what he's done is he's called a whole lot of Bezalels and all lot of Elihabs. And he says, you know this vision that is here and all those that are wise-hearted and committed, I have given you an ability to do things to help accomplish the vision that's given to the man of God. Is that okay? So you receive an ability to fit in with the vision, and he anoints you for that so that you are skilled to be able to do your part of the kingdom in this part of his vineyard, they would say. So it's to enable for workmanship. Say, I'm enabled. Say, I'm gifted to do this by reason of the anointing. Amen? And so I want you to have a look. We're going to have a look at it in the Amplified Translation of the Bible in Isaiah 61 and in verse 1. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed. But the Amplified Bible, if I'm correct, says this, because he has qualified me. Everybody say qualified. You are qualified by the anointing. Uh, Isaiah 61 verse 1. So you, it qualifies you. So Isaiah 61 verse 1 tells us that we are qualified by the anointing. Now, that doesn't excuse study and training and all those kind of things. Obviously, it helps, and it helps a lot. He's qualified me. Tell the person next to me, I'm qualified to preach this gospel. I'm qualified by reason of the, I'm qualified. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but people that God has mightily used, the singular common denominator is the Spirit, is the anointing. People in this world have done more by the anointing than by education. And it's, I promise you, I'm not trying to get away from education. It helps a lot. Because sometimes people have got more zeal than knowledge. And knowledge can direct the anointing and make it more effective and efficient. But if you look at Smith Wigglesworth, an uneducated plumber, his English was terrible. But we still speak about him today. And it was because of the anointing. As far as I know, Reynard Bonker wasn't 
highly educated. He, you know, you can see the increase in his intelligence level over years. But he was a simple man, called as a young man, got into the streets of a VW, slept on the streets, and just had a burning passion to preach the gospel. Eventually came to Lesotho, South Africa, joined the AFM and started preaching there. Nothing happened until one day. One day was, is one day when God just set him on a platform and the rest, as they say, is history. And he reached billions of people for the Lord Jesus. And the majority of the reason was the anointing. Come on, say, I'm enabled. Say, I can do this. Amen. And so there's an ability that comes, a qualification that comes by reason of the anointing. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 10. And it's using a different word but meaning the same thing. And I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10. He says, according to the grace of God, which he has given me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. And the foundation was Jesus, because no other foundation can be laid except Jesus. Everybody say the grace. grace. See, any anointing that you receive is grace. Yep. Amen. You've been graced. Yep. And so Paul could quite easily have said, I was anointed, because he was, to lay the foundation. God chose him. God gave him revelation, probably when he was on you know, the mountain of God, same place where the law was given. He got all that revelation, the difference between law and grace, law and grace, law and grace, and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And so to this man was given, and he was uniquely anointed, uniquely prepared, and he described it as, by the grace of God, I am what I am, First Corinthians 15. By the grace of God, I've laid this foundation. See, at the end of the day, it is a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. All right, so everybody say, Ability. The second thing that um, anointing gives you, I don't know. Over the years, I have discovered something about the anointing. I find myself doing things and afterwards giving myself a fright. Thinking, what was I doing? Oh my goodness. That was almost out of character. Because there's something about the anointing that will give you boldness. Everybody say boldness. Not boldness, boldness. Okay? Boldness. Boldness. The anointing will give you boldness. It's very interesting to me, but in Acts 4.31, after the healing of the man at Gate Beautiful, when they were threatened and ordered not to preach in this name any longer, the name of Jesus, which is a powerful name, they realized that the same spirit of anti-Christ, anti-the anointing that came against Jesus was now operating to come against that same quality of divinity that was on Jesus that is now on them because he was the Christ. They are the Christ-like ones. He is the anointed. They are anointed ones. The same spirit recognized that this is the same thing we see now on 12 men, in fact, on 120. We see this on them that we saw in that one because they took note that these men had been with Jesus, ordinary, simple people. 
but they spoke with such power. They spoke with such authority, the same as Jesus. And not only that, but they had the power to deliver, the same as Jesus had the power to deliver. The evidence was standing in front of them, whereas before he couldn't walk. Amen? Come on, because of the anointing, you can change situations, you can change people. Is that okay? And so they realized and recognized, no man, you know, the enemy did realize and recognize, and they realized and recognized, man, we had one problem. <laughs> now we've got a whole, lot of, a whole lot of problems. And so they just said, we've got to shut this thing down. We've got to shut this thing down. And you can already see why in the book of Genesis, the snake, you know, the devil was a serpent. But he grows in influence the more people he can work through in authority. That's why in the book of Revelation, he's a great red dragon. Because he had infiltrated, you know, the powers of Rome as well as the powers of the religious order of Judaism. And that was the whore that was sitting on the dragon. And so already you can see the infiltration and the expansion of this demonic power. But listen, it's no match for the anointing. Is that okay? No match for the anointing. And my whole mind changed about the rapture the day I heard Ray McCauley stand up and say, if there is such a thing as a personal antichrist, you know, the embodiment of evil in one man, surely somebody in the church of Jesus Christ should be able to cast it out of him and deliver that man. And I was like, Jesus, I never thought of that. He's right. That was the beginning of the end. Fire, nails in the coffin, no more rapture. Hey, because if an antichrist pitches up, surely the Christs should be able to stand up and say, get out of him in Jesus' name. No more antichrist. is that awesome? A lot of people did go silent when he said that. I was like, yippee-doo. This is it. Ah, wow. Yoo-wee. Amen. And so when they got together, they prayed, quoting Psalm 2, you know the story. And they said, now, Lord, now, Lord, stretch out your hand through us to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy child, Jesus, and enable your servants to preach your word with boldness. And they went out, the place, the Bible says, and the place where they were meeting was shaken. And it says, and they were all filled, second time. All filled, first time was Acts 2, second time Acts 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went out and spoke his word with. The anointing will give you boldness to operate wherever it is as a disciple in your ministry, in whatever, because, because it enables you, because it qualifies you, you will have a confidence to operate there. That's why a lot of people, you know, ministers and ministries, everybody wants to be an apostle. Everybody wants to be a prophet. Everybody. And they mess up because, you know, that may not be where God has anointed you to operate. Somehow, Pastor doesn't sound as impressive as prophet. Prophet doesn't sound as impressive as major, major, major. The one, the one and only one apostle. 
you know, what is it? You're anointed to operate where you're anointed. And maybe you're not anointed to operate in any of the fivefold ministries. You don't hear people going around, I'm teacher so-and-so. Oh, whoopee-doo, give us the prophets rather. Now the teachers are important. Because now people who are just pastors are now suddenly they're apostles and prophets. Because they're not comfortable with being who they are in Christ. It's like that sanctification anointing is not enough. And then they, you know, they're grasping for something higher. And that's why there's a mess up. You're not a prophet just because you can prophesy. Even if you can prophesy accurately, it doesn't make you a prophet. It's just that you're exercising a gift. A prophet, a apostle, it's an office that God appoints for the purpose of equipping the saints. Is that okay? And you know, it's like, I want to be in the worship team. I want to be on the stage. I want to be in the band. Well, maybe God's anointed you for something else. Don't overreach. Be satisfied with where God has called you to be. And function there because there you will have the boldness. There you will have the authority. For those of you, any kind of sport, any kind of sport, just you can imagine tennis, cricket, football, any kind of sport. But I just always related to squash. I, I never liked sport at all growing up at school and, and stuff like this. But, uh, you know, it was funny enough, it was when I came to South Africa that I started to love sport. And uh, it was only when we came here and, and I discovered the game of squash and I really, really enjoyed the game of squash. And the thing that I loved about it, I, I, I think it's, it's kind of like golf or one of the other games. There's a day where you just can't hit anything wrong. And there's other days when you can't hit anything right. <laughs> and I remember those days, getting onto the squash court and having this awesome game. It was like the racket was this big and the ball was this big and you just can't miss you know, and you command the tee and you've got the other guy running around and doing things and you're lobbing and dropping and off the wall and cross-courting, you know, just off the red line. And it was like, oh, it's just like, you just get into that groove and you can't do anything wrong. Well, for me, that's kind of the anointing when you're in your right place. In cricket, they talk about the sweet spot. You know, when he hits that ball and it goes right over the stands and it came off the sweet spot you know, and he holds his bat up, and then you can see the red, the red smudge of the thing. It was right. Listen, if, if you operate where God called you and designed you to operate, in the anointing, with peace in your heart, not trying to compare yourself to someone else, reach to try and be something else, you operate in the sweet spot. And then you've got boldness. There's something that comes with boldness. Because it's a confidence. Am I saying something too? Have you ever heard me preach such a good sermon on the anointing? Never. I'm impressing myself. Confidence. There's a confidence because you're not putting yourself in an unfamiliar zone. And out of that comes an authority. Now, I just need to say something about authority. God's authority is very specific. So listen to this. If God has called me to be a pastor and I respond to it, he will anoint me to be a pastor. And I will have authority because I'm in the direct line of his authority. 
But if I suddenly decide I'm going to go over here and I'm going to try and be an apostle and he's not called me to be an apostle, his authority is there. It's not here. I'm not under the spout where the glory comes out. And there's a lot of people that mess up and then they get into works and then they've got to start being controlling and they've got to start bullying people and all this kind of thing because they're not operating in the place where they are, and they're operating out of character, if I can say it that way. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when I come back to saying, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm that, and I'm happy with that. Now I'm standing under, under his hand. I'm in the right place yeah. where he's called me to be. And he goes, okay, does that feel better? Yes. Oh, I can operate with easier because where I'm enabled. The third thing that the anointing gives you, and I've got plenty of scriptures for this as well. The anointing makes you learned. I've got a better word for it, learned. It doesn't give you intelligence. It gives you something more than intelligence. It doesn't give you knowledge. You have to acquire the knowledge. But the anointing gives you something better than all of those or more important than with those things. The anointing gives you wisdom. I prayed all day yesterday. I was praying and praying and saying, Lord, give me a message I've never had before, and this is what he gave me. Awesome. I did this much study. And it's not an excuse not to study, but I've been studying my life on the anointing. Yeah. And so it talks about Jesus, John 1, 51, 52. John the Baptist says more or less the same words, and he grew in stature and in wisdom. And in favor with God and man. In Acts chapter 6, I think it's around verse 3, when the number of disciples began to increase. It says that the disciples, the apostles got together and said, Choose from among yourselves seven men who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Where did they get the wisdom from? The Holy Spirit. If you're full of the Spirit, you will have the wisdom of God. And so, choose men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And one of the people that they chose was Philip. And he went to Samaria. And he turned the whole city upside down. You know, when they stoned Stephen, the Bible tells us that when they stoned him, I think that's in Acts 7, isn't it? But when they stoned Stephen... Paul was standing giving his consent and he held the, the coats of the men that were stoning him. But the Bible says that they could not stand against the spirit and the wisdom with which he spoke. Couldn't stand against it. And so we see over and over and over and over again where someone is genuinely full of the spirit, there's a godly wisdom that comes out. And so you are able then to operate as a disciple. You're able to operate in your area because you have an ability. Out of the ability comes a boldness, a confidence, and authority. And with that particular anointing in that area of ministry, you will have wisdom for that area. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't study, you don't pray, you don't read your Bible. It means that you do all of those things. You get the knowledge, but God just puts the wisdom on it. And wisdom comes by the Spirit. You know, it's very difficult to teach people wisdom. Normally, you have to learn it through life, most times by your mistakes. 
And when you've burnt your fingers up to here, you've got a little bit of wisdom. You know, if you listen to your parents, you might have inherited a, few, <laughs> a whole lot more. But God gives wisdom, amen? And so we see that right throughout the scripture. So in that sense, it makes you learned. And then the last, the last one, there's something that the anointing does. Well, I'm going to just write, makes you energetic. In other words, you have the energy to do it. You have the ability to do it. So, is it um, Psalm 110? I think it's Psalm 110 says, your people will be willing on the day of your power. Your people shall be volunteers on the day of your power. The more the level of the Spirit increases, the more willing people are. The more energy you've got. So the Apostle Paul said this. He talked about Colossians 1 around about 26, 27, 25, somewhere there. And he talks about the fact that there was a mystery that God kept hidden for ages and generations. And he says, but the mystery is now revealed primarily through his ministry. But the mystery is now revealed, and the mystery is this. This is the mystery. And he did it even amongst the Gentiles so that they could see. He says, this is the mystery. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he says, and my whole purpose, my whole purpose, if you want to sum up my purpose in ministry, is to take every man and every woman and to present them perfect in Christ. In other words, I want to minister and work so that I can take those people and present them to Jesus and say, they have everything that you died for. He says, that's why. He says, I fill up in my own flesh. I'm after God. I'm after Jesus to get everything for which he took a hold of me. I'm dipping into the book of Philippians now. I'm laying a hold of everything that he laid a hold of me. I'm not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You know, I'm going for that upward heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. He said, because in this flesh, I want to become like Christ. The reason why I want to become like Christ in this flesh is so that I can then present you in the flesh. Perfect to Christ. Now listen to this, verse 29. I'm quoting an older version of the NIV. In fact, I should read it to you out of the Amplified. So let me quote the older version of the NIV, then we'll go to the Amplified Colossians 1.29. The older version of the NIV says, To this end, this goal, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. The end is to present every man perfect to Christ. But I love this, Colossians 1.29. For this I labor unto weariness, striving with all the superhuman energy. Come on, somewhere, somebody should have. Give me an energetic, <laughs> anointed, Amen. Striving with all the superhuman energy which he so mightily enkindles and works within me. Come on, that's by virtue of the anointing. That's why people like John Wesley said, hey, I am immortal until my work is done. Because I won't end until it ends. All right. So he mightily works in me. So, you know, Paul in other verses says it in Philippians, I can do all things 
to Christ that strengthens me, 4 verse 13, Philippians 4 verse 13. In Ephesians 3, it's, it's before 20, 320 might be 19, but basically he said, he talks about according to, the, to his power which works within me. And so there's a, an inherent power. Aren't you glad for the energy of God? Aren't you glad that it, it makes you energetic? But there's another word that goes with that. It also gives you enthusiasm. People shall be willing, shall be volunteers. His anointing makes you enthusiastic. They say, I haven't looked it up. They say, I believe it's true. They say that the word enthusiasm means to be possessed of God. Enthusiasm means to be possessed of God. Woo-hoo. And so the anointing makes you able. Everybody say, I can do this. Because I'm enabled. Come on, you can preach the gospel to the poor. You can bind up the brokenhearted. You can set the prisoners and the captives free. I remember when James Robeson tells the story. I believe it was James Robeson. He tells the story that he was really gripped by um, a spirit of lust while he was in the ministry. And um, it affected his ministry. He was always in condemnation. But he would really, really struggle with it. And one day he came into the church, and um, nobody knew, nobody knew. It was his personal struggle. And uh, the cleaner was cleaning the church. And James Robeson walked in. The cleaner was cleaning. And the cleaner said to him, Pastor, I have the power to set you free. Said, free of what? He said, You know what you're struggling with. He went onto the stage, took a chair and put it there, and he said, Pastor, come and sit here. Pastor sat down. The cleaner of the church laid hands on him, prayed a prayer, set him completely free. He tells the story. Come on, you have the power. You have the ability to set people free. Amen. Look at your hand and say, I have it. I have the power. Say, I can set people free. Come on, the number of people that have come to this church. I remember a lady that lived down at the flats, so gripped by fear. She couldn't even switch the light off at night. She could hardly travel to work. I mean, insane fear. And she came in and there was a steel table here in the church, and I just sat down on one side, and she sat down on the other, and she was just telling me, and I said, wow, that's terrible, I'm sorry. And I said the same thing to her, and I said, you know, I have the power to set you free. And we were just sitting opposite each other, yeah, in the church, yeah. I said, put your hand on the table. She put her hand on the table. She put her palm down. I just put my hand on top of her hand. I said, just look at me. I said, all fear, go now. And I saw like a shadow go across her eyes. I took my hand off. I said, you're free. Never again. Never again. I saw a couple of days later down at the pick and pay. I said, hi, how are you doing? She said, Pastor John, I wanted to come and tell you, but I just got so busy. From that night, I could sleep with the light off. I can travel. I can go to work. I can do whatever. She said, the fear has changed my life. She said, my fiancé is asked, what's the matter with you? <laughs> no, there's something right with me now. 
Amen. Come on, say, I can do it. Say, I'm able. Amen. Say, I have the ability. I have the boldness. I have the wisdom. And I have the energy for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're declaring upon you the ability of God. We're declaring upon you the boldness that comes by reason of the anointing. We're declaring upon you the wisdom that comes by reason of the anointing. The energy, the enthusiasm. Your people shall be willing on the day of your power. In the name of the Lord Jesus. We speak blessing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the power to heal you the power to set you free, the power to cause you to be prosperous, the power to cause you to be at peace, the power to call in your family members to salvation. So all of these things and more, we declare to you by reason of the anointing. So be blessed in Jesus' name. And everyone in ACF said, bless you. We love you. Thank you so much for watching. Bless you. Amen.